0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Night at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host for Trench Talk here on Dirty Birds and Brews. He is Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, welcome back to unfortunately uh, another loss show but you know I, I think it, it helps when when you've got uh someone to to process the game with and that's what we're going to help you guys do here uh, but before we get to that Jordan how are you doing today
0: Uh I tell you what it's been it's been over 24 hours now since since the game so in that regard I'm a little bit better but you know, if you're gonna get somebody up at six fifteen, six thirty in the morning to watch a game, I, I got to get some more than that. So that was that was a tough watch. But you know, on a different week, on to Houston.
1: Yep, on to Houston. You know, it's sort of a bury the tape game for for Desmond Ritter. Uh, I hope that he can move past it. And to be fair, to him, we're not gonna we're gonna we're gonna open with something positive first. But to be fair, Ritter, yeah. he did bounce back in the second half and had a better second half. I would still hesitate to call it good, but. Uh, or or even, or even mediocre, but it wasn't catastrophic second half. So, you know, that there was at least that, but guys, we're going to start things off with on a positive note today, uh, with let's talk about the defense, which of course has continued to be excellent. Um, which was very surprising. (laughs) Unfortunately, the, the offensive defense aren't really coming together. At this stage, but we'll at least keep some praise on, on uh, the folks that deserve it and uh, the offensive line too. bounce back game. So some positive steps and of course, some negative steps. We'll cover it all here on today's Trench Talk. But before we do want to get to a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Guys, football is back and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns, you can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From Week 1 all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. You know, uh, I has, yeah, once again, I'm, I'm going into this week saying probably don't bet on the Falcons. Uh, you know, I would probably (laughs) recommend, I think in general, it's a good idea to not bet on your own team, uh, other than props. I think props actually, because you have the knowledge of the team, or at least you should, Uh, that can that you can make that work but outcome of games uh, it's too much with your heart and you know it's it's too prone (laughs) to to mistakes but i did pick the jaguars last week so you know my heart didn't get in the way of of logic last week but um no matter what you want to do guys head to the website betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action just remember to use our promo code believe that's b l e a v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts okay Jordan, we're going to start positive. We're going to start with the defense, which once again came to play, kept the game close as long as they feasibly could. Uh, And seven of the points were absolutely not their fault in any way. Seven of their points, uh, obviously coming from the Jaguars pick six. And Atlanta, once again, uh, I think really held the opposing offense in check. Seven of the points, of course, come on that blown coverage, which upon my rewatch, I'm pretty sure it was AJ Terrell's mistake. On that blown coverage like, yeah. touchdown, given the fact that Bates was not really over there, and also that I find it hard to believe they would single up Jesse Bates against Calvin Ridley like on purpose. Uh, I didn't see that doesn't really seem like something that would typically happen. But disappointing that it it ended the way it did. But I think the defense in this one pretty much did everything they could to to keep the team in this. And again, we had the offense sort of come short. But uh, your your thoughts? We'll start generally first, and then, of course, we'll dive into the defensive line. But, you know, another game where the defense really plays well.
0: You know, it's it, I, I have to remind myself that I'm I'm grading the defense with a, a, a scale right now. And I say that because, like I said, it's a good a defensive game. Now, the unfortunate thing is because of the situation in the offense right now, even a good game might not cut it, right? So, for example, you talk about the the blown assignment. That's two weeks in a row now where we've said, at Least coverage-wise, yeah, it's a pretty good game, but there is that blown coverage on the back end, right? Sam Laporta got us last week against Detroit, and now it happens again this week. So, obviously, even when the offense is clicking, hopefully, it can get to a point worth clicking and humming. Things like that can't happen because honestly, sometimes that one play really is all you need to, to be the change and the difference in the game. So, but I mean, if you look at, look at it, I mean, besides that, right? So you had that, and you had the pick six. So take those. Fourteen points. I mean, that's that's a nine point performance that you gave as a defense, which again, you should be able to win with that. So, um, yeah, I think just overall, and I'll and I'll get into more specifics with David Onyamato in in a second. But you know, overall, again, this is a defense that I feel like every single week, I feel confident going out there and thinking that they they can do enough to keep us in games. And yeah, I think it was just another example of that on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I agree and. You know, we, we've seen some really nice things, obviously, from the free agents that you mentioned. David Onyemada has continued to just be this dynamic force next to Grady mm-hmm. Jarrett. And those two, is a special pairing, and I, I'm so glad that we have that. Now, we've been asking for that for so long. We finally get it. It seems like it's not a flash in the pan that these two really are going to be one of the top into- interior duos in the NFL. And that's going to give the Falcons a chance every single week on defense because— they they ha- will have the ability especially against teams that are weaker on the interior to just sort of wreck yeah. the game um and and they've been doing a great job of that so far sort of overcoming a lack of edge rush presence but um the falcons the good news is that the falcons have good run defending edge rushers uh Calais campbell had some like yep. picture perfect run stops this week and he's he's right where i expected him to be as one of the nfl's premier edge defending run er, run defending edge rushers Um, just the pass rush from the outside has, has not quite been delivering the way we hope. Although I will say on that note, you know, Bud Dupree has started to string together some better performances and we are starting to see a little bit more of Arnold Ibikati, but one guy I wanted to touch on before we dive like heavy into the defensive line was Nate Landman, who it seems like, you know, maybe that performance in week two was not a flash in the pan. Um, Nate Landman, once again, having a, a really strong game uh and i we talked about his story and how his path to get here and and how cool it is that he's getting his opportunity but what do you think about Nate Lambin so far now we've seen two full games
0: yeah i mean again we talked about it before back when he was at colorado how without an injury who knows how high up he was going to get drafted right in terms of the athleticism he was all over the field for the for the buffs on his time there so it's one of those things where you know it's a guy that can be productive if he gets an opportunity now he has one, of course, it's unfortunate as to why and how he got it. All right. Talking about Troy Anderson being hurt, but you feel confident knowing that, especially after the first game, it's like, okay, I see this date. Lamb guy. That's not bad. And so the first thought is you think, okay, if we need him in a pinch. He's there. That that's kind of your first thought, but now you've, you've seen it repetitive. We'll see what happens again this week with a young quarterback coming up, but you've seen his ability now to do put two games in a row. Now, if you do it three times in a row, and I know this is not the quarterback position, so I think it's a little bit different in terms of sample size to to really believe something. Uh, but I think he, you know, you put three solid games in a row. It's like, okay, even though we just lost Troy Anderson, I know we were all excited to see what he was going to do in this defense. That the, the that next step down, that's not is not that bad at all, right? Mm-hmm. I know we were talking about how I hate the phrase "next man up" no, because it doesn't really fit for everybody. But right now, Nate Landman is trying to prove that you really can use that that phrase uh with with him in the situation
1: yeah exactly and you yeah, know, the team definitely proved themselves correct on that call with basically clearing the way for Nate Lehman to be the primary backup and just sort of I mean I think a lot of people were concerned it's like oh you're gonna have this UDFA as your primary linebacker backup mm-hmm. and then just a bunch of special teams guys and it's like yeah yeah they they that was the correct call clearly uh, <laughs> you know to, to give Lehman that opportunity um and while he didn't match you know his his week two you know like 89 grade or whatever he still had a very good grade this week i think he had finished like a 72.2 which is 72. obviously well above average uh so nice nice game there jesse bates still incredible clays came <laughs> another great game um two guys uh that one guy i will say uh taquan graham who sort of struggled the first three weeks he did have his best game only played 17 snaps so he's definitely more of a rotational player right now which is probably the best fit for him Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have his best game too, uh, so it, nice to see him have a bounce back after sort of a a lighter opening. Um, same thing with Richie Grant had his best game, even though he he did m- miss that sack on the Calvin Ridley touchdown that would have obviously wiped out that mistake on the back end. So yeah, li- would like to would like to have that. But um, another guy, Jeff Okuda, uh finally starts plays mm-hmm. the majority of the game, and he grades out extremely well, uh, seventy four point nine PFF grade. And I think that matches the eye test too, where he looked healthy, looked ready to go and, and looked aggressive. Like, and, and and I was happy from what I saw from Makuda this week.
0: No, absolutely. You can get that one PBU on the side where I believe it was a uh, Arnold Epicady absolutely demolished Trevor Lawrence, uh, which was beautiful to see. Um, but the thing for me is you you can definitely tell. I think they did a good job with him coming back from that ankle injury where, now, of course, we all wanted to ask the questions. You get the reports that he's in practice, and so it's, all right, well, he's practicing. When is he going to be out there? When is he going to be out there? You know, they brought him slowly back last week, right, with um, they played a couple snaps here and there against Detroit, and then it's like, okay, boom, now here, here, here we go. So I think they handled this the right way, uh, and I think also to your point, speaking about that, Taequann Graham another one of those guys. You know, I think that this mentally sometimes when you have a serious injury, it takes you a minute. You have to slow down, be comfortable in the game again. So hoping that this can be the start for him as well in terms of, again, you talk about the D-line rotation that we have. Um, the fact that we can go to him, you know, spell some guys for a couple of plays, and and yeah, we all know how good he can be against the run too. So, um, yeah, I just think it, it just was a matter of time for him to get that feel again of uh, being healthy, and, and now I think, you know, now he has a game where, again, even in just 17 snaps – you, you can look at the tape and say, okay, that looks and feels like me again. Uh, yeah. So I think that was big for him.
1: Yeah. I'm happy to see that. Um, Cause I think we all knew, I mean, I, I, I wasn't too concerned with his slow start for the reasons you mentioned too, like coming back from a serious injury. It takes time, especially yeah. in the NFL where you're like, if you're, if you're only going 90%, that can be catastrophic like because of exactly. how good everyone is. So um, good to see him come back, uh, get, get rotated back in another guy. Before we we start to move towards the uh, offensive side, unfortunately. Um, that was really interesting to see Demarco Hellem uh, yeah. gets gets the snaps over Jalen Hawkins, um, which doesn't shock me from a long term perspective. This is Hawkins' final year on his rookie contract. Doesn't and, and Helms is a, a fresh, you know, rookie, but Helms comes in, plays 12 snaps. Jalen Hawkins does not uh play any snaps, essentially. Right. And didn't necessarily make a ton of plays, but PFF had him graded out, you know, slightly, basically average around the 60s, which is a good first showing from a seventh round rookie. Um, and I thought he he looked, looked the part, didn't look out of place at all playing that sort of, uh, I get they sort of rotated him and it seemed like in like almost like dime as like a dime linebacker yeah. on those third downs. So interesting personnel decision there uh, going to Helms. What did you think about his debut?
0: Well no I think I think he was solid and I always say this about rookies. The the main thing for me in your debut unless you're, you know, like a running back, quarterback, receiver things like that. The main thing for me is I don't want to hear your name called on a big play. <laughs> you know, um so you know we already talked about a blown coverage before or you know there was not it wasn't like a big missed tackle or anything like that. So that's the main thing for him but also I think that that's just more of a say a uh, telling point of where they are with Jalen Hawkins like you said last last year of his rookie deal um you know not a good sign obviously for him that you that the rookie DeMarco Helms is coming in and now I believe had more snaps than um than than Jalen Hawkins did in this game so that that was pretty telling for me too it, you can look at it both ways right positive side is man DeMarco Helms is is obviously showing some good things and, and coaching staff trust him the other side of it is man Jalen Hawkins you know like what what's uh what's going on there and why haven't you been able to take, you know, that next step or next leap that they were hoping for.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, with Jalen Hawkins, I think he's just a solid veteran. I don't, there doesn't seem to be a ton of upside there. I think he's a reliable player. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns given his flexibility to play multiple spots and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't shock me if they want to see what they have in a guy like Helms, who was a fresh rookie, maybe has a little bit more upside. And I think in the preseason, we saw like this guy looks significantly better in coverage than I think anyone had thought given his reputation as more of this like enforcing yeah. box safety. But again, those Nick Saban, Alabama safeties, especially when you see it, when you watch his college tape, he wasn't just a box safety there. He played all three spots. He played in the box. He played deep. He played that sort of cover two, um split zone and wasn't a liability. Uh, and then in the preseason is just making plays all over the place, obviously mm-hmm. against, you know, the second, third stringers, but that's still, impressive for especially for a 7th rounder. So, definitely uh excited to see what we can get from Helms who may emerge as the sort of third safety long term. I mean, and I wouldn't say that it's impossible that he could emerge as a future starter either. That's obviously pretty early for any sort of definitive statements on that, but you have to like that he's found his way onto the field in the first, you know, quarter of the season even even though the NFL ruined that with their 17 game schedule, <laughs> no,
0: absolutely, and and I think to your point too, because you talked about the plays he was making in in preseason. Well, it, and I guess it's sort of to say you're supposed to pop against some of those, you know, like you said, third string, fourth string guys, some guys that are just doing their best to try to make a team. It's okay if you're going to be out there. You have got to show something. You got to make something happen. And again, I know I I, I always hark back to Arnold Ebucati and I keep will I I'll keep doing it just because I I believe there's so much potential there. When he had that uh the rush, I think it was a strip sack against the Dolphins, right? It's like okay, yeah, you're going up against a tackle of who knows if he made the roster, didn't make the roster, but yeah, if you're going up against him, you have that that has to be a win, right? Like that that's more so like it, it, it you look at it a whole different way. Let's say it was the other way around, he gets pancaked by. It. It's like oh man. I don't know if Katie just got pancaked by this fourth stringer or whatever. Like, that's how everyone would look at it. Uh, but the fact that I could watch that rush and say, okay, yeah, you, you did beat that guy. You're supposed to beat that guy. Like, you popped. Like, I expect you to in that matchup. And that's the thing, too, with DeMarco Helms, the fact that he was, and it wasn't just a, yeah, I don't know. He's just kind of out there feel. Like, yeah, that, that kind of shows me sometimes, too, of like what a player can be.
1: Yeah. No, I I love to see that from guys. You want your guys to stand out in the preseason, especially when you're going against the the second, third string guys who, again, we've made it clear on this program, like, if you're playing in the NFL, in any capacity, you're one of the best football players in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the context of the NFL, you need to be standing out against that, quote unquote, lower level of competition if you want to make an impact. On Sundays in the regular season. And that's exactly what we saw from Helms. So very encouraging start for the rookie safety. Let's transition to the offense. And again, we'll start on a positive note. Yeah. We'll we'll save the overall offensive takes for later. But I did want to shout out first, since this is trench talk, the offensive line, who as a unit definitely had a bounce back game uh, top to bottom. It wasn't flawless. No one's expecting it to be flawless for the record in case anybody was curious about that. We're not expecting perfection, but right off the top, uh, Chris Lindstrom immediately, uh, he's the the number one offensive lineman in this game allows no pressures, no hurries, no nothing. Uh, and is right back to an elite offensive grade. I think he had almost a 90 grade in this game. Um, so it's nice to see Lindstrom bounce back. And he was the one of all the guys in this offensive line that I didn't really have any concern about. And I think we talked about this, but still nice to see him bounce back.
0: Absolutely. Um, and that's what you expect, right? That's why they gave him they paid him all that money. And again, I'm looking at some of the grades now too. It's you know, sometimes the the overall grade can be a little deceiving yeah, just yeah. because hey, might be in this phase of the game, they were really, really good. And then that's what outweighs everything else. Cause then it could be these other grades over here, and eh, not so much. But no, he was elite in all grades, all facets. And again, that's that's the Chris Lindstrom that we come to love in Atlanta. And I think the thing for me is going into the season when you know you had your ideas and ex- expectations of what the Falcons could do, what this offense could do, it started with, again, the offensive line and how good we thought they were going to be. And of course, that starts with Chris Lindstrom. So it's good to see him, again, look like the Chris Lindstrom that we all know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we, I, I definitely like to use PFF grades, especially for offensive linemen, because outside of a few other stats, like you know, pressures allowed and stuff like that. There's just, it's a hard to quantify offensive line play without actually going like play-by-play play and evaluating. So, but on this program, we don't take PFF grades as gospel. So we will be right. sure to let you know if we disagree with any of the grades. But um, I think Glenn was spot on this week. An interesting one. Also, Caleb McGarry definitely did have a better game this week. Um, I think he finished with like a 69 overall grade, but particularly had high marks in pass pro. He did allow... One pressure, which also turned into a hit. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, not not the worst outcome uh, for McGarry, considering what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Nice to see him bounce back as well. And and we just need more consistency. No one's expecting perfect pass blocking from McGarry. We just can't have him giving up two, three sacks in a game.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you said, not everyone's going to play a perfect game. And, 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 you know, we know that, especially up front. So it's just... I don't want to be in a situation, and I know no other Falcons fan does too, where it's anytime we drop back and pass, you look immediately at the right tackle and see like, oh, what's going on over here. Now in this game, that was not the case because you had to do it in other places. But <laughs> no, I mean, again, it's as long as you could get average to above average consistency from Caleb McGarry, I think you're we're okay, you know, at the right tackle, and that and that's more so, I think, what. Had been so alarming or confusing for people earlier on, you know, those first three games of the season because you you weren't, we weren't getting even that. So no good. It was good to see him have a, have a better game. And I think there's still another, another, at least a little tick up that he can get to as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned that it wasn't McGarry's problem. Certainly this week, another guy who certainly wasn't a problem was Drew Dahlman. He did allow two hurries, but was an elite run blocker in this game. Um, And I think Dahlman once again has you know, really shown that the team was right for sticking with him and not doing what I said and going and drafting another center. Uh, so, you know, shout out to Dolman for his play. Um, the two guys who who struggled the most this week were Matthew Bergeron, um, who didn't, I think, have a bad game, but I, I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: hasn't, didn't really ha- make a plus either. I would say he had a pretty, pretty mediocre sort of inoffensive game, which, again, for a rookie offensive lineman, you're probably hoping to have that most weeks where he's not standing out in a negative light. Um, And then hopefully those flash plays will start to come up more as well. Mm-hmm. The bigger surprise I think was Jake Matthews who gave up yeah. the two sacks and four total pressures. Um, Again, going up against a guy that's a super underrated pass rusher, in my opinion, he's not talked about with the NFL's top guys, but I, I think he's right there is, is the other Josh Allen, you know, um, <laughs> who had three sacks on the day and um just whooped Jake Matthews a couple of times. Now, I think Jake Matthews on the whole actually did have a pretty good day, but those sacks were were uh, a big deal. And, you know, I know people are, some people are panicking about Jake Matthews saying, oh, he's, he's aging. We need to, like, Jake Matthews is like 31 years old. He's not that old, guys. He's <laughs> like, just been here for yes. so long. <laughs> like, he's just, he got here as a rookie, as a young player, and has just been the left tackle since like 2014. So like, he's actually not, to the age where you would be like, "Oh, this guy's on his last season now." Yeah. It would still be wise to start grooming an eventual successor, but like, I don't think this was like a Jake Matthews is getting old game. This is just a he went up against one of the best edge rushers in the NFL and, and got beat sometimes game.
0: Yeah, and it happens. And the thing for me with Josh Allen, and I, I was seeing this watching this tape coming into this week, he's just streaky. Yeah. You know there there he'll have games like this, and then there will be another game where it's. You know he's not. I don't. I don't want to say non-existent, but he's not flashing like this, right? Like I don't think he does it consistently enough as everyone thought when Jacksonville picked him at seventh um, a few years ago. So that was the thing for me. It was again when you go into certain games, if you know there's a guy on the other side of the ball that again they can have those moments, you always have to say don't let that moment be against you this 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 week, and. So no for Jake Matthews Josh Allen had his he had his moment you know this yep. week so that was like i said that was the unfortunate thing and I mean there there are a lot of things though i feel like that that go on with that cuz i know Jake Matthews he he gets credited for the three sacks i believe there was one i can't remember exactly when in the game but i think Desmond was actually going to moving away from some other pressure so he kind of yeah. walked into the sack so that's not really on yeah. Jake but There's some other things, though, that I must say I have questions about when it comes to, um, and this is, again, it's kind of more of an overall offensive question, but it plays into the O-line because sometimes I think that sacks come because of the concepts that they're trying to do or not using.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that's probably a good time to transition, unfortunately, into the overall offense, which the run game was awesome. Um, And and this was, again, this was against one of the NFL's better run defenses through the first three weeks of the season you know, Bijan comes out, gets that hundred yard game, looks awesome throughout. The run blocking is really good. Tyler Algier didn't get as many carries. I mean, it's clearly starting to become Bijan's show, but, um, so the run game I think is, is sort of without reproach. I think they did a great job there. In fact, I would say that they probably have to start leaning even more on that somehow, just because of how dire the passing game is. And again, this leads us into our discussion of the passing game where it's somehow it's gotten worse from last week, last week, it looked like the passing game had bottomed out and somehow it was worse this week. Um, And again, like we talked about last week, like Ritter's going to have to stop putting the ball in harm's way because sooner or later that luck is going to run out. And it ran out on Sunday with Ritter throwing a pick six and then immediately another interception. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, Jordan, it's, it's getting to the point where it's, it's starting to become a real problem to where this is actually actively Hamstringing the offense now with 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 Ritter's level of play
0: oh I I agree and you know it's, it's I, I believe I said this last week or a couple of weeks ago I wish that when I look at this offense I could just solely put it on Desmond Ritter right like that was yeah yeah, yeah. the end this year that was the big question right it wasn't going to be it wasn't the O-line how they were going to look or the receiving group no I know some people wanted that extra receiver I'm like no we I mean I get it you can always want more but I think you have enough and so it was just going to be, how is Desmond Ritter? We know we saw four games out of him last year. Everyone made a big deal about him not playing a lot in the preseason. So it's like, okay, how's it going to look, right? And you've seen some good moments. We all know and we love to harp on the second half of the Green Bay game. Even the second half, like you said, it was better than the first half in this game. So there's that, but also at the same time, I question exactly some of the, the – the, game plan and scheming Mm -hmm. for things that help them get success be successful right where you know we are running a lot of two-man routes Mm -hmm. if if you um if a lot of people notice that and you know part of that is again those take a long time to develop right so here's my question too and this is where i say i go it goes back to the uh offensive line where it's like i'm not gonna fully put you know blame them for steps uh from some of the sacks if because if you do know that your o-line is somewhat I don't want to say compromise because again, I don't think they're bad, but you know they had their struggles, right? Yeah. So the thing is, if you know that, why not change up the approach and try to get something out a little bit quicker? And again, I think that's just something that will help Desmond be in a better in a better rhythm too earlier on. I think that's one of the problems is he's not in a rhythm up yeah. until it gets you know later on in the game. So you know he's holding on to the ball, trying to make things happen down the field. That just gives the pass rush a little bit more time. And, yeah, I mean, as you see, there's a lot of times where the Falcons will have two or sometimes three guys in the same vicinity on the field. Um, So it's just really difficult all the way around. Like, again, and I'm not saying this to 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 cope for Desmond Ritter. He obviously has to be a lot better. Um, and I think. You know that's kind of the no-duh uh, yeah. statement of the day. Yeah. But there's some things around him too, game plan and scheme-wise that I think that is really not doing him a sur- Uh, is doing him a disservice, rather, if you will.
1: Yeah, and it's it's never just one thing that causes yeah. that level of offensive problem. Um, now maybe you could have individual games where it's like, oh yeah, this was definitely on this player. The quarterback really screwed up this week or whatever. Um, right. But. The offensive line struggles have certainly contributed, and I think that you're correct with your critique of of the schematic issues. Um, And then, of course, Desiree Ritter happening to have what I think is his worst game from a decision-making standpoint this week as well. It all compounded to another just disastrous performance. And, um, you know, we talked about it last week, we've talked about it on, on multiple shows, that It doesn't seem like there's a lot of quick hitters in this offense. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of layups for for the quarterback, and it's it's forcing Desmond to really hold the ball. I also think that the other side of that is that a lot of the quick hitters that they have, Ritter has not been able to process quick enough to hit. So if he needs that extra second, can you really have these quick timing routes for him? If he's not going to be able to hit him. Um and that that is a, a critical problem because he has to be able to to quickly process and hit those quick routes, or he's gonna always be taking sacks. Um, you yep. have to be able to to analyze what's happening in front of you and hit those quick plays if you need to. Um, you know, I think where Ritter has typically been the best is like intermediate throws, but this week we saw him just make egregiously bad reads on several throws where he just threw it right to defenders and um threw it into heavy coverage or or just didn't yep. see defenders. Um and it, again, some of that I think certainly has to do with the fact that I think he's feeling the pressure of the offensive line, even when it's not there. Because yeah. of the last several weeks of of pass blocking issues, his internal clock is trying to speed up because he's anticipating pressure. Um, so he's not even able to sort of sit there and and read even when he has time because his internal clock is trying to speed up. And at the same time, the internal to- clock is like a tick slow on these because he's just not comfortable processing and reading. At this stage, like he just seems like he's a tick behind where he needs to be in the processing department, and I don't know how I don't know what else to do about that. I mean, he he has to get there, and he has to get there quick, um, you know. But it, this is something we brought up on the post game show is like it. This this sort of stuff where he was behind in his timing, it should have been more obvious before now. And it's, it's one of those things that goes back to last year of, you know, why wasn't he given more games last year? We know why. Like, they they decided they were going to try to make the playoffs with Marcus Mariota, which was a big mistake. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, you look—he didn't play in the preseason either. We've talked about that, you know, and, and whether that's mm-hmm. overblown or not. But now, for, for better or for worse, he has to take these lumps and, and get these live game reps now in a season where the expectations are for this team to make the playoffs. And, of course, as a result— the pitchforks have come out, and they've come out quick because if this if he was doing this last year, people would have been like, "Oh, he's a rookie, you know we're not making the playoffs. let's just let him take his lumps now the pressures turned up by ten because this is a, a year where they're expected to make the playoffs and it's leading to a lot of very harsh criticism very quickly
0: yeah and and i i I want to clarify on something too, because I mm-hmm. saw people online saying they are posting about oh this team isn't a contender and stuff like that. That's fine. My thing though always is once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. And it's like you said, this is a team that it was expected. You make all these moves, right? You're expect you're trying to make something happen. Um, and you know, outside of a couple of teams, every maybe one team every generation or so that seems like they can contend every year. Now those windows close very quickly. So yeah, once you're if you're trying to make the playoffs, you're trying to make something happen, right? Like I don't think everyone has the window like the 49ers do, where they've made the NFC Championship. You know, was it three of the last four or five years? That that doesn't usually happen. Or of course, we know about the Patriots, and even with the Patriots with Tom Brady, remember they took some time off before they were back in the in the Super Bowl and making things like that happen too. It so those windows are not very long usually outside of that. So you, I mean, obviously Falcons fans know that better than most because you was 2016, and then we're still looking for a winning season ever since 2017 and if you're going to make all those moves we talked about David Onimata we talked about Calais Campbell uh, you know you bring in Bijan Robinson all these things you're expecting to make things happen but you also expect that you're going to have the guy that's the signal caller on offense to be at a level and be at a position to make that all that whole orchestra work and right now it's you know, the violins might be playing the right note, but the cellos are on a different beat. Or the the you know the bass has got the right cadence going with the conductor, but then it's the 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 violas that that are off a little bit. If you can't tell, I am an orchestra nerd. Oh man, so, hashtag Viola Gang. Uh, yeah. There you go. I was I was a I, was a, uh, I did violin, cello, and bass. So. Oh man, I was clarinet. Yeah, go.
1: yeah. Nice,
0: nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so yeah, it, and, and at the end of the day, it ever as we all know, like it's always gonna fall on the signal caller and the play caller. So, you know, Arthur Smith has some things, you know, he has to go over and try to change and adjust. Desmond Ritter has some too, because like you said, and we've been saying this whole time, the the expectations are the expectations. You have them now. Nobody had them last year. So it's cool to be a little bit more loose and comfortable. Like it was surprising for all of us and not even just from good Falcons football. It was surprising how bad the division was last year (laughs) where it's like, Hey, you know, we, we actually have a chance to, to, to do something. Now it's again you're expected to do it. So again, with this start, even though the 2 and 0 feeling felt good, <laughs> there's still some things in there where it's just like, yeah, but you better this has to get cleaned up. That has to get cleaned up. Otherwise yeah. it's going to bite you. And now it's biting you.
1: Now it's biting you. Yeah, so it's and again, like from a record standpoint, this team is exactly where I personally thought they would be right now. Um so it, I'm not they're in a perfectly fine place in terms of their record at 2 and 2. There's no yeah. The record doesn't suggest any sort of we need to burn it down or drastically change course. But it, it's I think the problem is, you know, you're you're on a two game losing streak and the offense is getting worse by the week. And it's it's you know that is, I think, why the, the drastic takes have come out. So again, because you were able to get to two and two, you have more leeway to be like, okay, we can be patient and try to fix this the old fashioned way. But you know, that two game cushion is now gone. <laughs> like you're two and two now, yeah. so you've lost your cushion. Now you got to start getting back to the dubs, and you know maybe maybe the the cure for what ails Desmond Ritter is just playing at home, you know undefeated at home, right? Yeah. Uh, I which is weird, but you know whatever. Um, so they've they've got to get back on the horse and and start start fixing the problems with this offense. And um the the thing about it is like if Ritter takes small steps forward every week from here on out, he's not going to be in any danger of losing his job. But games mm-hmm. like Week Four. Against the Jaguars, those will end your NFL career quickly. If they, if you start stacking those, if you don't start showing improvement, because you can get away with being the 25th best quarterback as what is essentially a, a rookie, you can, you can sort of be in that below average category as long as you're not actively tanking your team. But when you get into that 34 of 34, which is what Ritter is now, according to PFF, and, yeah. you know, with Zach Wilson having a good game last night, you know, maybe he is actually the 32nd quarterback in the league at this stage. That won't last long. Even if you're a young quarterback, the 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 leash is not very long for Ritter for various reasons, and we know that. Um now I know the team is committed to him and, and they should like at least give him a shot to to right the ship here for, for at least a few more weeks. I nobody nobody of, of us is calling for Ritter to get yoinked, um, like permanently. Um mm-hmm. But because he's only a third-round pick, it cuts both ways. Like you didn't invest a lot in him. But also, you didn't invest a lot in him. So, like, there's not really this pressure to be like, we have to play him this year and see what he is, like it would be if he was Bryce Young. Where Bryce Young is also having a disastrous start to his NFL career. But he's the first overall pick that you just traded multiple first-rounders for. You can't bench him. You have no choice. You're committed. With Ritter, the, the truth is, like, you're really not committed. Like, I mean, you're verbally committed. And, like obviously you it would be nice if you could develop him um but ultimately, if he's tanking your offense, there's not this pressure to continue playing him like there would be if it, if he was a first round pick and like I said, it cuts both ways like he was cheap cheap to get into, cheap to get out of unfortunately for Ritter, so his leash may not be as long as it would be for some of these other young quarterbacks
0: yeah, with, without a doubt. and it's going to be interesting because we are we're talking about the whispers from the outside, right? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna get louder this next week. Oh, and the yeah, reason why I'm yeah. saying that is because we're talking about young quarterback not looking this way that way, needs more time. Okay, look at the young quarterback that's that's about to uh, come into the bins next week. See how the start that he's had so far. but like this this Houston team is a lot better than what I think a lot of people myself included expected. And I, you know I'm happy to see that because I am a big D'Amico Ryans fan, so I'm happy that you know he's finding success. But a big part of why they're better is because the quarterback, CJ Stroud, is really, really good. And it seemed like a lot of people were kind of ready or not convinced with him coming into the draft. And I was like, nope, I saw him play against Georgia. That's all I needed. I think he's going to be legit. So now if you're Desmond, again, a lot of the talks are going to be, here's this young quarterback, and I get you know CJ Stroud was a first-round pick, but still it's, well, look at this young quarterback that's adapted to the league right away and is doing this doing that. Why can't our quarterback do that too? that that's just going to be, you know, the narrative if if things don't turn around and if it doesn't look a certain way too on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to put a microscope on it uh that that yeah. comparison and you know, we, we talked about it last week that CJ Stroud isn't a big time outlier for a rookie quarterback that he has sure. hit the ground running is playing really well and good for him. Um but the the and the comparison's going to happen for a lot of reasons, right? Because Ritter is struggling, CJ Stroud is not. They're both young quarterbacks with very few starts under their belt. Um yeah. But you can't, I wouldn't necessarily say you should make CJ Stroud the barometer of what a rookie quarterback should look like I agree. because he's, you know, and I, I don't think you're saying that either, but some people are, they're like, Oh, well look at CJ Stroud. Ritter's not CJ Stroud. So he's a bust. Like, well, that's yeah. probably not the one I would say like, that's the barometer for whether you're like playing well enough as a rookie. Um, CJ Stroud is sort of, I mean, he's, I think the best rookie start since Joe Burrow, Um, which is good, good for him. But that's it's been like three years since we've seen a rookie play like that. So, um, I mean, you, you look around the league; most of the time, it's it's pretty mediocre at best for rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see how it develops. I'm certainly not calling for for Ritter to be yoinked at this point. I w- I was saying they might want to consider it at halftime of last week because I didn't want his confidence to get completely wrecked if he w- if it was mm-hmm. going to be a route. Luckily, I think they made the right call by putting him back in and and letting him letting him. Have a better second half, even though it didn't. You know, if if Drake London's foot comes down an inch closer, you're pro- we're probably feeling a lot different about this game. I I still think it would have been improbable for that comeback to to happen, yeah. but you know, I I think that he did play better in that second half. Now we we need it to to be like consistent. Like we need to take a step forward this week too. Um, but if he continues trending downward, that's what's going to lead to to getting pulled for. For a guy in Taylor Heineke, who is on a very incentive-heavy contract, yeah. and I know he signed here and said he was fine being Ritter's backup, but Taylor Heineke, I think Taylor Heineke's a smart guy, um, and I think he he sees the potential for him to get another opportunity to start here in Atlanta, and you know we'll mm-hmm. see three, four, five weeks from now if Heineke was making a very smart call or not um, in terms of his decision to sign here.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, not even just that of being a smart guy; he's a competitor. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to see. And 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 I'm not saying this to say that he's uh, preying on Desmond Ritter's downfall. I'm not. Doing no, that. no like, definitely
1: not.
0: It's just a standpoint of the, if you see something going a certain way at a position and it's your position. you, you The competitor in you, you just kind of you you can't help but sit there and be like, man, I know I can do better than this or like I need to be out there because I can make this that happen. And honestly, like you want people with that type of mentality. Yes. You don't want someone on the bench or thinking, man, you know, it's not looking good out there. I don't think I could do anything else differently or I can do anything else better. So I, I want him to have that mindset and I'm sure like he's going to be inching at, chomping at the bit, of course. And, and just again, from the standpoint of he's from the area and we saw how much of a gamer he was a few years ago when they played in Atlanta and when he was still in Washington. So yeah, I know he's, he's going to want to be ready to go and, and get after it and, yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I like I said, I can't blame him for it. I want him to be competitive in that way.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and again, I it's not that antagonistic where he's like, oh, I'm just waiting no. for Ritter to fail so I can, no. But no. I, I think it's, it's he's a competitor. He knows that he's got a young quarterback ahead of him that was unproven. So he, there's, there's a decent chance that if things don't go well, that he will have an opportunity to play here. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, whether... I, I think Taylor Heineke, we know what to expect. He's going to mm-hmm. be a risk taker. He's going to push the ball downfield. But what Heineke would probably be doing better now is not necessarily making the egregious errors that Ritter made last week. I don't think the ne- the number of turnovers would necessarily be lower, but they would be from him unleashing the dragon, you know, downfield. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily from not seeing defenders over the middle and stuff like that. But... um. You know, it, we'll have to see how it develops. I, I, am pulling for Ritter. I know you are as well. Um, he's a young quarterback. He's got he's dealing with a lot of adversity right now, and the criticism is going to be intense. Um, yep. so this is this is when you have to show it because if Ritter doesn't prove it here soon, there may not be another opportunity for him in the NFL. You know, that's a third round pick. The list of oper- that's part of the reason why third round picks don't often turn into franchise quarterbacks is because if you don't show it immediately, yeah, teams aren't lining up to give you a starting job. Um, whereas former first rounders are like, Oh yeah, sure. Come on in. Like, we want you. Um, so fair or not that that's where Ritter will be looking if, if he can't write the ship. And I certainly hope that he can. Um, I do want to push back on one thing that, that people are saying about Ritter, which is that he doesn't have talent like (laughs) that, which is ridiculous. Um, Ritter is very talented. Like athletically, I think he has an above average arm. I think in, in college, he actually showed that he was a very quick and efficient processor. His best trait, I think was identifying one-on-one matchups and knowing where to go with the football. I think right now the processing is the issue that he's just a tick slow. Um, and he's, he's as a result, he's making poor decisions with the football because he's behind where he needs to be in his progressions and is rushing. Um, I don't, that doesn't have anything to do with a lack of talent. Like he's, plenty talented to be an nfl quarterback mm-hmm. it's not a lack of talent it's not a lack of upside or anything like that now he's not on the level of like anthony richardson or something like that where this is like oh this is the perfect 10 quarterback with a cannon attached to his body like you know but no one was expecting that um so so he has to show that gradual improvement but it, it's not like Ritter's not talented enough to make it in this league it's it's a processing issue and the good thing about processing stuff is that that is stuff that can be fixed so
0: yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I I don't look at Desmond and say talent and skill is that's not the problem here. And again, I, I'll I'll say this: there's only a couple of quarterbacks. I feel like no matter what scheme or system you have, what flaws might be there, there's only a a very handful throughout the history of the NFL that's like, all right, it doesn't matter because we have that guy, right? Obviously, 15 in Kansas City. I think for the most part, it doesn't matter what's around him. He's gonna find a way find a way to make it work. Um, you saw, obviously, Tom Brady do it in New England with the the weapons or lack thereof at times that that were there. Um, so my I, I go back to this point saying, again, if you look at some of the things that are going on. As wherever you think of Desmond Ritter as a talent, as a quarterback. All I like it's not you know, I'm not going to wow people with the statement of he's not. He isn't good enough right now to overcome some of the other shortcomings of this offense. Like shocker, okay, we 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 all know that. All right, cool. So my thing is again, let's still just see something where it's easier for him to make some things work, make things happen again. Whether it's easier throws, short shorter intermediate throws, and again, it's an athletic dude. I know Arthur Smith had the comment after the game last week saying, you know, it's a or I think it was actually Green Bay it was like, you know, it's a, you you, can, you don't want to run your quarterback too much, which I get. But you're not running him enough. Like there is a good balance in there, and again, I think that's just something. You know, let him use his legs and that athleticism we talked about to make some things work and make things happen. And again, that'll slow him down a little bit. Uh, also, I, I wonder the question: Where in the world is Scotty Miller? Like, where, yeah. where where is he? And and I know I'm like as, as some <laughs> people say that, yeah, yeah. like some people hear me say that, is like, oh man, really? All these problems that you're going to talk about, Scotty Miller. Well, here's why I'm saying that: Even if you don't want to throw the ball to him we're talking about the, the spacing being off and, and, you know, you got guys running those, those clear routes just to create space and it's just not there. So I don't know, maybe the guy that runs the four, four, that's, that's just chilling on your bench right now. You might want to bring him in and, and do some things with that too. Uh So, you know, I I, I asked myself that question because even with that, it's, I, you know, I look at Kyle Pitts. I don't think he's, he's healthy. Yeah. It, it doesn't, he doesn't run like, and I mean, even with that, you know, like, should have had the big play in Detroit, right? Um, it was just, a, you know, it was a miss. But still, when you just look at him, it just doesn't feel like every single play, it's it's all there with that NCL, with that knee yet. Um, so, you know, I, I think about that. But, yeah, I I again, I just – you can always find a way to use speed on a football field. I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. And that's the fastest guy we have. I'd, I'd love yeah. to, to see him out there. And, again, just just create space for somebody else, too, even if you're not going to throw it to him.
1: Yeah, I think the, the the biggest criticism of Arthur Smith's offense so far is that the route combinations and the way that the spacing of the offense is set up doesn't do the quarterback any favors. Yeah. In fact, I would say it looks pretty amateurish. Now, I don't know if that's people running incorrect routes or not running the routes to the areas of the field that they're necessarily supposed to. Like, maybe these guys are supposed to be getting more or less depth, and that's why they're mm-hmm. looking so close together, but they really shouldn't be. Um, We didn't call a play. We don't know what the design actually is, so... So like I, I will give, you know, a little bit of leeway that some of those plays that I, I know were highlighted in the, the quarterback school last week, which was a great video. If people haven't watched that yet, yeah. um, I will, I will give a little bit of, of wiggle room that some of those may have been improperly executed on the field, but sure. not everyone is like that. So
0: yeah. um, And that's the problem is it's yeah. showing up on tape too many times. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know why we're not running clear out routes with Scotty Miller. I thought that was like part of the reason he was here. Um, so, you know, it, it, if you're going to run a go, like it should be it should be Miller running the go, uh, especially if you're not really intending to throw it. And even if you are, he's the fastest guy on the team. But exactly. yeah, I mean, I know folks are saying, oh, the Falcons don't have any juice. You know, where's the speed? It's like, well, they have speed. They're just not putting it on the field.
0: They're on the bench, yeah.
1: And part of that, again, is I think there's a lack of confidence in Ritter to be able to utilize it. I think there's a lack of confidence in the offensive line to hold up long enough to even utilize it. And I think the Falcons are trying to, get as many run blockers out there as possible in terms of the receivers as well, which is why we're seeing so much Matt Collins, um, and, and those bigger guys out there. But, um, sooner or later, you know, we're going to have to try something else because this the last two exactly. weeks, what they've been doing, it ain't working. So, um, exactly. Bijan Robinson isn't going to take us home every single week. So.
0: <laughs> right. And, and that, and that's the thing, like, I, I don't want to, ruin a good thing especially early and i say that in terms of b john robinson it's obvious he's the best player on that offense well best skill player uh chris lindstrom might still be the best player on that offense but i don't want to overuse him i know everyone's been talking about the depreciation the devaluing of running backs you have two really solid running backs right obviously with tyler alger too i don't want to have to be in a situation where you run him into the ground too early uh so yeah you have to find something else that works because again we we see some of these deep, these deep ball patterns and, and with other players, right? Drake London's run some, Kyle Pitts might run some. Again, we we see a lot of two-man route combinations, uh, which is definitely interesting. Uh, but, so yeah, it's not even the fact of not doing it or not trying to call up some things that are, to go deep. It's just, again, like I said, with the fastest guy that you have out there, why not do it with him too?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it there's a lot of criticism to go around and I think we've done a good job of, of pointing out Various places that that we have issues, and that it's not going to like if Ritter was playing perfectly, there would probably still be some limitations on this passing game from the other issues that we mentioned. Um, you know, week four I think put it into focus that that Ritter was probably the biggest issue. I think that was maybe the first time that happened. I think week three there was a pretty strong argument that the offensive line was the biggest issue in that game. But, um, we're gonna have to to see how it develops. But right now, when there's issues all over the place, everything looks terrible. So. Yeah. We're gonna have to get, you know, we're gonna have to get improvements somewhere. Um, I and I, if they all come at once, all of a sudden you could have a bounce back, right? And, and it could happen this week, but they they're gonna have to get it fixed quick, um, because there's there's not, you know, like like we said a couple minutes ago, like the cushion is gone now. Like you're back to two and two, you got to start stacking some more dubs and, and maybe a trip home is is what it takes, you know, to to get mm-hmm. the offensive juices flowing again or whatever it is that they need. Um, but. Uh, certainly hoping for more, uh, and and they need more from that offense. And and again, shout out to the defense. Day every single week, the defense is going to give this offense a chance, even if they're struggling. Yes. Now we need the offense to to reward their the defense for for their strong play with with a good game here and there, uh, at least a There's few just- here and there. That's all we need. They only have to be average probably for this defense to win games for them. Like it's just. It's a weird situation to be in. <laughs>
0: I can't believe we're saying this about the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I, I, you know, we were joking before we went live. I said, you know, I've been asking all these questions and prayers about, can I just please have a good Falcons defense? I was like, well, I should have been more specific. I should have said good defense <laughs> and offense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen throughout the years, whether it was Matt Ryan, you know, predominantly a good offensive game, but then it, it gets blown by, you know, by some poor defense or lackluster defense late. Um, And now it's the opposite. It's like I said, the offense, I mean, the defense is doing enough to to keep teams in games. I think right now, if you look at stats, they're top 10 in in terms of total yards. um, You know, they are, um, yeah, like they're, in terms of yards per game allowed, 290 per game. And again, in this age of offense, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. um and then you know a top 10 right now scoring defense as well which as we talked about would look a lot better if it not been for a pick six and now two weeks in a row with a uh busted coverage yep so that could be even a better mark so now this defense is good enough this is the playoff level defense now it's time for the offense to to, to reach that caliber and level two
1: yeah yeah and you mentioned it, Falcons tenth in scoring defense. We haven't seen this is being recorded on Monday afternoon, so this doesn't include Monday night football stats. But yeah. uh, seventh in total yardage allowed. Uh, you know, Falcons also fifth in passing yardage. If anyone had said that before the season, I would have said you were high. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, I mean, it, it sixth in yards per play overall. I mean. Better than any of us expected. And the run defense after that first big game has started to creep up and now they're average. They're they're, I think, seventeenth in run defense. And I think they're gonna end up a lot better than that. Um I agree. You know, if you look at if you look at yards per carry, um, they're all the way up to eleventh now uh in run defense. Yeah. And I think that's much closer to what they're going to be. So the defense is is gonna be able to get it done. Now we need the offense to to oblige. Uh and the, the offense got a long way to go, but I just I think that the talent is, is there like at the skill positions on the offensive line, it just needs to come together in terms of the play calling yeah. and, and Ritter. Um, so I, I think there is hope for this to get turned around. We're only four weeks into the season, but um, you know, it has to start happening soon, you know, <laughs> the the cushion is gone. So let's, let's get it. Let's get it done guys. Let's get it done this week. Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um like you said, it's another opportunity, another young team that's coming in. So you know, good chance to to make things happen, get a good win at home before you had to go back on the road.
1: Yep, exactly. Let's 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 get this dub, uh, which is again not going to be as easy as we thought going into the season no. with the Texans playing no. well. Um, Texans defense actually almost exactly, almost exactly the same as the Falcons in terms of statistics. Uh, so one of the bigger turnarounds as well uh, in the NFL has been je- uh, Houston's defense. So, go you know, Ryan's like, telling Demico you. Go R- I mean. Such a good. I mean, the Texans are incredibly lucky that D'Amico Ryan's uh, wanted to go there because I think he mm-hmm. could have had his pick of a lot of teams. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, it was his ties to the Texans the only reason he did, he agreed to go there uh, to that organization. So um, they're very lucky. They're very lucky to have him. Um, yeah, guys, he's Jordan Watkins, at big seventy five fella here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Jordan, anything you'd like to let people know about before we sign off today?
0: um yeah just again letting y'all know tune into the falcon fey podcast actually our uh reaction show is going on right now i believe um and then you know we'll have an episode out later previewing houston uh in atlanta so clint goss and i we do those two shows weekly one's a reaction show the other there's a preview show so um yeah some good stuff there and then of course i shall be back i believe next week on our live reaction show on the falcoholic on sunday too so a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming.
1: Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate Jordan. This has been a really fun series. I'm glad we're doing it. I know people are enjoying it too. So thanks, guys, for for tuning in as well. Uh, everyone, I'm Kevin Knight of Falcoholic. Kevin, if you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Leave us that five star review on your podcast platform of choice. We'll be back on Wednesday night for Falcoholic Live, and of course, have another game preview coming your way for this Houston Texans matchup in Week Five. Until then, folks, this show was of course brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We will see you next time here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Have a great day, folks.